talk to us about continuing on a topic that I began a couple of months ago called the return of Jesus. I think for many of us who know me, know that this is a very topic that I'm very passionate about. But I also believe of the time and the season that we live in, it's a time for us to understand that is coming back. Last time around, when we began to talk on the return of Jesus, we asked a raise this very important question. Are we in the end times? Are we living right now in the end times? Now, I believe most people believe that this is the case. We could argue the case. For example, in the first century, when the early church was birthed, they went through tremendous persecutions. As a matter of fact, the empowerment that was at the time were persecuted Christians right, left, center. And uh, there's a book, if you want to know more about it, it's called The Book of Martyrs. And it speaks of Christians going through tremendous persecution. As a matter of fact, some of the king, such as King Nero, was one of the, I would say, it was even compared to the Antichrist. This was such a time difficult for them that they really believed that that was the end time. Then, as you look through centuries of the book of history, you find out that many leaders rise up to this world and really create in a society where Christians were persecuted as well. We're talking also about Hitler back in the 1940s when he nearly conquered the whole world. There's a series that I watch. It was on Prime, those who got Amazon Prime video. Uh, it's called The Man in a High Castle. I don't know whether you watch it. And what it is, it depicts the story of the world if Hitler had won the war. And it's a very interesting perspective of how the world would be if Hitler won it, if the Japanese would have won it as well. And it's very easy for people in those days to many believe that we are in the end times because of what was taking place through the centuries. Two weeks ago, I woke up and I heard clearly his voice, clearly speaking. You know, sometimes you hear, you feel, you sense what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But this time I hear it clearly, hear this voice and he said, I am coming quickly, begin to prepare. Begin to prepare. And that's one of the reasons that's kind of pushed me to begin to look into when I get the opportunity to come on Sunday to share this word, but also to begin to set up a cell, which is we'll be running from November, when I will begin to teach about the end time and particularly looking at the scriptures. This cell won't be about it won't be about conspiracy. We'll be really looking into the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, which really speak of his return. When we look at the world today, we look changed. It's changed. The world has really, really changed. You know, forget COVID-19 and restriction and, and now the government just maybe thinking about bringing back the lockdown again. 
I was reading an article yesterday, the Austrian uh, government has actually decided they wanted to create another lockdown, but this time they want to create a lockdown for those who haven't been vaccinated. It's deep. You know, this is not about who's vaccinated and non-vaccinated. This is about creating a divide society. That is really what it's all about. Those are very critical times. And as I was asking the Lord about this question, he said to me, this is a precursor of what's going to take place in the end time when the society will be divided between non-believers and believers. It won't be about Muslim, Jews, and so on. It will be, are you a Christian or not? And in those days, we will have to stand for who we are. Right now, today, in many places in, in the world, Nigeria and other parts of the world, there are many of our brothers and sisters that have been persecuted for the name of Jesus. Church burned down. Villages destroyed just because they believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus himself spoke on those times. When you look in the book of Matthew 24, he mentioned these end times and he mentioned it would be like labor pain. And we spoke about last, last time I shared about how it is, you know, those labor pain becoming shorter and shorter as the baby is about to push out, it's about to come out. And as we're about to experience the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to experience more and more of those labor pain. You're going to hear more stories about what's taking place around the world. More earthquakes. More diseases. More war or rumors of wars. It's all part of the process. You know, in our, our family, I don't know about how you guys operate, but in our family, we used to operate to this kind of mortal word that we say, stick to the plan. That used to be our things that we get, stick to the plan. But now we changed it. Because, you know, plan change. Plan change. You may have a plan today, another plan tomorrow. Or circumstances make you have to adapt to another plan. So we change it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on. But we call it trusting in a process of what God is doing. You know, it's good. You can trust God. All of us can trust God today. But how do you trust in the process? When God tells you, that I am going, I'm just using that example, you know, not asking for people to pray for this, but I just use an example, very simple. When God has said to you, I am going to elevate you, you know, you are going to have a promotion. And then the next minute you hear this word, this prophetic word, you're very excited. You heard the prophet speaking into your life and he said, this is great. You tell everybody. And the next morning you go to work, they sack you. And you're thinking, how this is possible? God just spoke to me about giving me a promotion and I just lost my job. But you got to trust in a process. You see, that is the challenge for all of us. That's made my challenge for so many years. Trusting in a process. You hear the word, you believe the word, but you got to trust in that process. Okay, I'm using your example. Now, I'm looking at you, big man, you're 15 year old now, is it? Yeah? Great man. 
You're gonna, you want to go to NBA, you're going to be an NBA player. No. Are you telling me that this is easy? No, there's a process, isn't it? There's things that you have to do in order to get there. And that's for everyone. Whatever you are, whatever you do, there's a process. And when we're talking about end times, when we're talking about the return of Jesus, there's a few things that need to take place before Jesus comes. And those things are not easy. The things that we are going to be challenged are not easy at all. And I believe that God is speaking to each one of us to begin to prepare our hearts, but also to prepare for things to come. We've got to be strong. We've got to believe. As I mentioned the last time I spoke, the first part of it is faith. Believe it. And then you've got to trust and you've got to trust in the process. So as I mentioned the last time, you're going very quickly. The world is going to experience major, major events, which is from the Bible. So according to the Bible, there are key events that we are going to see, hopefully in our lifetime. Maybe not, depending. Number one is the rapture. I will talk about the rapture in another topic and in another series in, in that sense. Now, as I mentioned in the book of, if you can put on the screen here, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, from verse 16 to 17, says this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 to 17, says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so will be with the Lord forever. This is a rapture. This is a time where Jesus is going to come. This is not the return of Jesus. This is Jesus coming for his church. He's going to come for his church. He's going to call out those who died in Christ first and those who are alive will be caught up in heaven with him. And that will take place in a blink of an eye. Now, for those who know the mercy movies or books that be depicting about this, this rapture moment, this, this wonderful event, I think it is a brilliant. It's, it's an amazing event when you think about it. Can you imagine this? All of us, we hear sharing the words, or maybe Nikki is preaching with the power, the anointing, and then suddenly, boom, it's gone. And all of us here, all gone. Can you imagine that? Are you at work? You're just doing your thing and suddenly the pen dropped. They're looking. Where, no, where's Nick? No, where's Dewara? Where, where, where's everyone? Everybody's gone in a blink of an eye. We've got to be exciting for those moments. Because Jesus is taking us with us in that sense, in a moment. But the world will see it very differently. And they, from that moment, they will experience a tremendous crisis. Because you think about it. Christians have every sphere of society. We have lawyers, we have bankers, we have fine people in finance, people in media. We've got people everywhere. And in one instant, they were all disappearing, all gone in an instant. I believe the world will crash. There will be a financial meltdown in, in that sense. You know, I don't know, I love the Marvel's movie and, and you know, always, always sharing about the armor of God with Iron Man, you know, favorite. I love the Marvel movies. And, uh, we see that in the Infinity War, the end of it, we see 
five, over five, I don't know how many millions of people just despairing just like that. And that's how it's going to happen. I believe we are in the end game now. This is the end game. This is the end game today. And we've got to begin to prepare ourselves. The second event that we may experience before the rapture or after will be the invasion um, of Magog. It's basically what's going to take place. Country from the north, and I believe it's going to be all the Arab countries united together, and they're going to invite very suddenly Israel. And there won't be any warning. Israel won't have any warning. The world won't have any warning at all. And the invasion will take place. But at the moment, God will intervene miraculously. And again, everybody will see the power of God in that instance. The Antichrist. Everybody knows who he is, what type of guy he will be, and how he will look. He will actually have the word in his hand for seven years. That is a long time. Now, one year is 365. There's a uh, math here. You can do the calculation. Seven years. He will come and he will rule on this earth. He will come as a man of peace. So everybody will receive him, will accept it, and will revere as a man of peace. And then he will switch and he will begin to persecute the Christian. This is reality. And I'm saying those things so... When you go out there and speak to people and non-believers, you begin to tell them those things. So when those times come and things begin to take place, they will know. They will know. You will see many believers after the rapture giving their life to Jesus. Many people will give their life to Christ after that. And that is important for us. I believe God is using us as this nucleus to be able to begin to spread our wings and share the gospel to prepare for his return. And it's very important that we begin to speak. The Battle of Armageddon. You can call it World War III or World War IV. It depends how many wars will be taking place. But this is a time when all the countries of the world will gather together in Israel. And they will wage war against one another for dominion. At that time, Jesus would come from heaven with all of us, all believers. And they would come and would come and he would speak his words. And it will stop. Everything will stop. And then it will establish his kingdom for a thousand years. During that time, prosperity will rise. During that time, everybody will learn about the ways of the Lord. Everyone. Everyone will know Jesus. Everyone will know about his ways. To return, the first time Jesus came, he came as a, as a son of a carpenter. And he died on the cross. On the cross, so a horrible death. So we can experience salvation, we can experience eternity. Second time is coming. Listen, all his glory, we will see in all his glory. All the, all the world will marvel, they will see Jesus in all his glory. It's the God, man, it's, it's God. Jesus is God. He's not going to come as a merely man, he's going to come as God. And we're going to be behind him. After the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison. He will be bound for a thousand years. And after a thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison to be tempted again. He will go and tempt the world. And I'm actually quite baffled. People will know Jesus for a thousand years. And still, after the thousand years, people will still rebel against Jesus and his kingdom. That showed the heart of man. It really showed the heart of man. 
a thousand years of a government from Jesus, and a thousand years later, you still get millions of people who still say no to Jesus. And that would be it. That would be wiped out completely. Then we're talking about the judgment seat, when those who die without Jesus will be going to, to, hell, to hell, you know, and then Satan will be bound to hell, and everybody will be destroyed, and it's it. And that will be no more. There will be no more um, death, no more sickness, no more cry, no more sorrow, no more pain. That's what's waiting for us. That's what's waiting for us. A new earth and a new Jerusalem, a new heaven. And we're going to live forever, and we're going to enjoy Jesus forever, and we're going to have peace forever. So those who are suffering with the back, those who are suffering with finances, those who are suffering with death, bereavement, there won't be none of this. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but I'm extremely excited about it. See, we've got to have this perspective of eternity that, yes, we're here right now. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. But we've got to understand that there's something that God has promised to us that's waiting for us. And I believe we won't have to wait too, too long. I love Jesus. I struggled with him. The first few years when I became a Christian, I love him like, um, you know, I love him. I can't even express it. And then there's been seasons when I didn't love it that much. You've you got to be honest. You know, there's time when you're struggling in your Christianity. When you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing this. But every time that I felt that I was going down or every time I felt that, you know, I'm not sure about this, God reminded me of his great plan. His great plan. And that's why I love the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the first thing. It's not about the prophecies and the end times and the antichrist and, and, and the bowl and, and, and everything. It's about the revelation of Jesus Jesus revealed himself. That's what revelation means. is uncovering something which is hidden. And what John, the apostle in Patmos, when he was sent to Patmos, what he saw is Jesus. Jesus personifying all his glory. If you read chapter 1, you see every aspect of Jesus. It's amazing. And I know I'm too excited about it. Sorry, guys. But uh, for me, I love it. When I look at it, if, I, if you want to know who Jesus is, go in the book of Revelation and you will see a perfect description of the Lamb of God. Amazing. <laughs> Revelation, as well, I mentioned it last time, is the only book that proclaims a blessing. Now, let me ask you, who has, who, has, who has read it since I spoke it last time? Have you read it? Jadim, yeah. You've got to read it. There's a blessing in just reading. Oh, Julien at the back. Okay. And the children at the back. Fantastic. Everybody's ready. David, brilliant. You've got to continue to read it. There's a blessing in reading the book. This is the only book that proclaims a blessing when you read it. I haven't seen any other book who say, Bless is the man who read it. Hear it and keep it. I haven't heard it. I, I don't know whether, you know, Pastor Nicholas, scholar, have you heard it? No. I haven't heard it. Olu, have you heard it? No. This is the only book. Revelation is the only book. You got to read it, you got to hear what the scripture says, and you got to keep it and understand it. That's where the blessing comes. 
that's where the blessing comes. You see, Bible prophecy should motivate us to live a godly life. It does to me. Love my our late Pastor Joseph used to say to, to us when he used to preach that he didn't come to Jesus because he loved him. He came to Jesus because he didn't want to go to hell. You know? Fire. You know? Absolutely. Fire. And Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. Because the reason he came is for us to avoid going to hell. And that is the key. John, in the book of Revelation, saw three things. Number one, he saw Jesus. You know, he saw the revelation, the, the, the awesomeness, the, the, I don't know, you know, I'm French, so there's some of the word I can't really describe it, how great it is. Anyway, he saw Jesus, the greatness of Jesus. Number two, he saw the spiritual realm. And he also saw Jesus writing seven letters to seven churches, giving a specific set of instruction. We will look into this in more detail another time. And then he saw the future. He saw what was going to take place to the human race in essence. So for us, the primary focus of the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. I keep saying to people, you know, it's about the revelation of Jesus. That's why we look into the book of Revelation for Jesus. We're not looking for the Antichrist. As a matter of fact, the Antichrist is not mentioned too much in the book of Revelation. There's a chapter, chapter 13, where they mention about his kingdom and how he's going to rule and aspect of it. But it's all about Jesus. It's, a, it's about the Lamb of God opening the seal. It's about the Lamb of God sitting on the right side of, of God. It's about Jesus. So that's what it's all about. So as I mentioned, how do we prepare ourselves? Last time we looked at faith. You've got to believe what the word is saying. And we know that faith is the ability to believe. We looked in Hebrew 11.1 1, and we also looked at Hebrew 1 as well. Today, I want to talk to you about obedience and trust in him. And I said again, trust in the process. So you got to believe, number one. Number two, you got to trust him. Very important. We need to be obedient to the word of God. And we need to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit say to us is very important. This world, you got to navigate. And in order to navigate, you got to trust him. you got to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not everything that people say is right. I've got another one with me. <laughs> you can't have a Christian life without trust. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. You know? The Bible said, but without faith, I can, I can trust like this, but without trust in God, it is impossible to please him. Faith and trust work hand in hand. You see? You can't, you can't have faith, you can't please God unless you trust him. It's impossible. As a Christian, as a believer, it's impossible to live without faith and without trusting God. Has anyone seen God here? Has anyone seen him? I haven't seen him. 
We hear him, but I haven't seen him. We haven't seen him, but we trust him. Have we seen what's going to take place tomorrow? But we trust what the word of God is saying. That's how we rely. This is how we live. This is our Christian life. And I said it, it's not easy to trust him. I said it before. And this is why I mentioned we changed this motto from stick to the plan to trusting in the process what God is doing. Listen. Everybody's got a testimony and a story at a time life can be difficult. We've we all been through it. And we, some of us are still going through those moments. When God has spoken a word to us maybe two years ago, last year, five years, and we still haven't seen a manifestation of this word. I think about Abraham. God himself told Abraham that he's going to have a son and look at the stars. And he showed him the stars and he told him, that is your generation. Now, for a normal person like myself or you say, you say, okay, I can believe that. Yeah, that's fine. Listen, he was in his late 80s. And the late 80s, his wife never had a child. She was barren. So she couldn't have a child at all. And God tell you that this is what's going to happen. It's very difficult to trust God. He did trust it to a certain point, And then he stopped trusting him. Because there's a process. He has to go through that process of him beginning to learn to have faith in God. By the time he had Isaac, he was ready to sacrifice him because he went through this process of building a relationship with Christ, with God to the point that no matter what happened, I'm trusting you. You know, people don't know that. They call Abraham the father of faith. But let me tell you something about Abraham. Abraham didn't have the faith at the beginning that we thought he had. And suddenly, when you look at Isaac, the moment when he has Isaac and send it to the, to, to the sacrifice, then Abraham's faith was complete. But he went through so many situations when he did have faith. The first one, when, when he got to Egypt with his wife, and he was afraid that the king of Egypt would kill him or would rape his wife, so he lied. Technically, he didn't, but he did. Because, yes, it was, she was his sister, but she was also his wife. So he lied. So he told the king that that was his sister to avoid death. Now, if you tell him he's the father of faith, why didn't he put his trust in God in that sense? Why didn't he go to Egypt and said, you know what, we're going to trust God, we're going to get to Egypt, and I'm sure that God will, he will sort things out. He didn't. Second time again, same thing happened. And then we all know about the story of not trusting, seeing the guys getting old. He's thinking, I'm getting tired. I don't know if I'm going to have a child. My wife is barren. She's old. She's never going to have a child. Don't ever know whether they're enjoying it and so on. But here we go. But what happened is this. By the time they were too old to think that they couldn't have a child. So they created their own child in a way. We do that often. I do it. When God give me a word and I'm waiting, it's not taking place. And then I realize that, do you know what, God? I'm going to give you a bit of a kickstart, you know. I'm going to give you a bit of a head up, you know. I'm going to help you out because I don't think you're doing what you're supposed to do at the time I want it to be done. 
But God is, we say, is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So what it means, it means that he knows every stages of our lives. So he's planned those stages from the beginning to the end. So we've got to trust in a process. So eventually, Abraham, by the time he had Isaac, he trusted it. That was his only son. And he was ready to sacrifice him because God says so. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to sacrifice your Isaac? The thing that's precious in your heart. The things that you don't want to give up. Are you ready to do that? When it comes to the end times, there's a lot of things that we're going to have to give up. A lot of things that we're going to have to let go. Some of us, it may be our jobs, profession, location, friends, anything. My time is nearly up, and I'm looking at it. I want to pray this morning. We will be finishing next time, but I'm just sensing to begin to pray about the issue of trust. Whether you're here with us or online, I believe in our senses the Lord is really speaking to all of us today about trust. Thank you, Jesus. There's something that you've been asking, something that you've been waiting for, and you're not sure he's going to do it. I don't want to mention your name, but something that you'll be asking, something that you'll be waiting for, and you don't know if he's going to do it. If it's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I believe God's got a word for you. Pastor Nicholas, I'd just like to ask your authorization to pray for someone here, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why we spoke about for a while about it, and uh, I just sense to lay my hand on it, if you want to. Yeah? Come. I want your husband to come as well. So, I'm going to ask you to lay your hand here, yeah, because you're the authority. You're the authority. So, as we pray, as I release the word, I want you to declare it. You know, since the Lord had told me to tell you, you are the authority. So, I want you to declare it, because he made you a promise. And that promise is going to fulfill it. It's going to fulfill that promise. That's what the Lord is telling me to tell you. I am going to fulfill this promise. Even you're not sure that I am going to do it, I am going to do it. Because I am the Lord your God. And I have a great plan for you and for your wife. Father, we thank you this morning. 
Lord, I bring this wonderful couple before you, Lord. And as he's raising and slaying his hand upon, Lord, I declare, Father, your power, your anointing to release it. As you release it for Sarah, I ask you, Lord, this morning to release it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing too hard for you. I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing impossible for you. I thank you, Lord, as we speak this morning, as he declare it in his heart this morning, it shall come to pass, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I want to begin to pray into it. And every day, pray. Lay your hand every day and declare it. Don't ask, just declare. That's what the Lord told me to tell you. Declare it. It is done. That's what the Lord said to me. It is done. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Trust in the Lord and trust in his process. That is what we need to do now. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for just the opportunity to allow me to share your word. And Lord, I stand here with my brothers and sisters, Lord. And we continue to pray to help us to trust you more, but most importantly, to trust in a process, Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you're about to do over the next few days, next few weeks, and the next few months. And we commit everything into your hand in Jesus' name. Amen.